Without further ado, welcome to the latest in the Balderton podcast series. I'm here today with Ed Cook, co-founder of Memrise, a Balderton investment uh, from way back in 2012. Uh, welcome and good afternoon, Ed. Oh, thanks very much for having me on the, uh, the show. Well, no, a real pleasure. Uh, at the moment, you're doing something rather cool, if I may say so myself. You're, there's a Kickstarter campaign afoot uh, and Memrise are raising money for the Membus project and intercede any time that I'm wrong. But at time of recording, which is at uh, 1,644 hours on a Monday afternoon on the 23rd of November, you've raised £42,490 of a £50,000 target. Not bad. Congratulations. What is that all about? What is the Membus project? Right. Well, the Membus is a um, is a European road trip uh, on a converted double-decker bus. Uh, which will be taking place in 2016. And our um, our mission is to collect a video dictionary of all the major European languages. So uh, Memrise is a, is a language learning site, and so uh, people are endlessly learning words and phrases uh, on Memrise. And um, what we want to do is collect um, an example of a native speaker using each phrase in context uh, in, in video. Uh, just a short video, sort of two to three seconds in length, uh, a bit like a vine or something, and uh, just to be interspersed in the learning procedures. So yeah, so the Membus is a is our natty mechanism for going to uh, collect uh, all those all those videos. And it's quite literally a bus, and you will quite literally be going all around Europe and talking to it says it a hundred thousand native speakers. Yeah. So um, yeah. So the bus um, is a, a nineteen seventy eight um, uh, yeah double decker uh, with an old Gardner engine. Uh, runs very reliably, and um, yeah, we picked it up of somebody who used to use it as a party bus, but uh, then he got married, and his wife forbade him to have any more fun. And uh, yeah, so we painted it all up in the in the memorized colours, and um, and uh, yeah, we developed over the course of developing our kind of video dictionary product um, quite a good methodology for collecting videos because if you if you do as we do, need to collect a hundred thousand videos in. Um, a short space of time from, you know, 100,000 different native speakers. You've got to meet an awful lot of people. And uh, in order to meet a lot of people, you have to have a charismatic vehicle to attract them to it. And you've got to be able to move swiftly from place to place. Uh, to do it on a budget, you've got to be able to sleep your crew inside and you've got to be able to have enough fun that everyone on the bus is basically volunteering for free. And that is the scenario we find ourselves in with the members. So the Membus, even though it sounds like a bit of fun and like a, a, a road trip based jolly up around Europe, there's actually a lot of consideration and strategy behind why you've chosen the bus and why you've chosen uh, exactly that methodology of collating video. Well, I'm, I'm pleased you can see that. It, I think it'll be more of a struggle to persuade the uh, the Borden partnership that that's sort of what's going on. But but yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I think that one of the uh, one of the things we work very hard on at Memrise is to make learning um, joyful. Um, and sort of unpack joyful. We think that that's sort of a combination of really powerful learning tech and on the other side, really vibrant real world content. Um, and, you know, you, it, it's a curious thing of video because you can actually kind of detect uh, just implicitly the atmosphere within which it was filmed. You can kind of get a sense of whether the people involved are having fun, whether the, the day is, is full of energy and goodness. Uh, and so, um, yeah, the Membus is, I think, a remarkably elegant mechanism for um, discovering 100,000 joyful people and and, uh, and uh, piping their native speech uh, back into the Memrise app. 
And, you know, for those who may not have encountered Memrise before, in your own words, what's the elevator pitch? What exactly does Memrise do and how does it help a person learn a language? So uh, Memrise is a language learning product on web and mobile. Um, it um, it begins with um, channeling a lot of insights from the kind of the art and science of memory into the learning process. Obviously, if you're learning, you want to be able to remember what you're learning as you go along, so you're not in a kind of constant loop. Uh, and so Memrise leverages a bunch of kind of, you know, scientific and practical techniques for uh, memorizing effectively to help people pipe lots of information into their brains. And uh, and secondly, there's kind of a strong crowdsource community component. So um, so between those two things, we have um, around 200 languages on Memrise, um, and we've got a few more than 6 million users um, uh, around the world who are learning various languages on, on, on the platform. And you say it taps into the real art and science of memory and how people learn. Do you think then that the traditional methods like book learning, plugging CDs into your ears, uh, that people associate with learning a language are old school, or don't work quite as well? Um, well, I think um, I think that is the case, really. Um, I mean, it's quite astonishing how quickly people forget uh, you know, information which goes into the brain. I mean, and, you know, I, I'm no different. I've just learned some some techniques. But, you know, typically after about 15 seconds, information which you have the subjective impression that you've actually successfully internalized begins to sort of drift and slip from memory. And so there's an awful lot of uh, repetition that's that's required just basically to can consolidate memory. I mean, one of the metaphors we have on Memrise is that kind of learning is, is growing a garden. You know, you plant seeds and then you've got to come back and water them and nurture them and feed them nutrients in order to keep all that knowledge alive. And so that's one of the things we um, we specialise in is making sure that you know all of your time spent learning doesn't go to waste due to um, amnesia. And you know you're obviously very familiar with the subject of memory because let's be honest, you're not the typical entrepreneur. Before founding Memrise, and well, footnote myself, not that there's such a thing as a typical entrepreneur. But, uh, Certainly not in the bulletin portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> we're an interesting bunch. Yeah. Um, before founding Memrise, you were dubbed the memory grandmaster. Uh, you've competed in lots of uh, international memory competitions and were the world champion of, of memory, for, for want of a better title, in 2007, uh, which is pretty impressive. Actually, that's not quite true. <laughs> that's, that <laughs> so, is so, as recorded on a, a reputable Wikipedia title. Oh, right, oh, good, yeah, yeah. Um, but, <laughs> um, no, but I, I did compete in the World Memory Championships for a long time. I never won the whole thing, but I did win. Um, it's a decathlon of memory events, so there were 10 different events in the uh, in the final of the World Memory Championship. Um, and my specialism of uh, binary numbers and of... Uh, of one or two other events, I, I occasionally won an individual, an individual, individual competition. But, but yeah, so I, I kind of um, I trained myself um, at the age of eighteen. Um, in the basics of memory techniques and kind of develop them over sort of three or four years, and um, and what's fascinating is that um, is that you can with you know surprisingly little effort um, basically leverage what everybody has, namely phenomenal native abilities of spatial perception and of the ability to imagine things at speed to uh, encode information incredibly fast. So, <clears throat> so yeah, so I trained myself up and wound up at this amazing event, the World Memory Championships, where, uh, yeah, we <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's an absolutely absurd thing to spend as much time and effort uh, pursuing as I did. But, you know, I would, I would line up against the, uh, the Germans and then the Chinese and the rest of it every summer and spend three days competitively 
basically memorizing all manner of nonsense, including abstract shapes, uh, binary numbers I already mentioned, lists of names and faces. And that would so be, how would that literally work when you were there in the room? Would you be <coughs> offered a whole... Yeah, so, I mean, you know, in the in the one-hour numbers, for instance, they give you a 3,000-digit number and go, okay, remember as much of that as you can. So you spend an hour memorizing it, then they take that away, and then they give you a blank sheet, and you'd write out as much as you could. Um, and so it's kind of like a, um, it was like an exam, basically. Um, and the great thing about memory techniques is while from the outside it looks almost like brain-blisteringly boring, on the inside, subjectively, it's absolutely fantastic fun because you're basically um, creating elaborate stories, you're um, kind of... Uh, engaging in kind of balletic internal um, kind of mental dance as you kind of take memories and you attach them to other memories and you review them and you strengthen them. So although it's really fun from the outside, uh, from the inside, it's, it's not, not, not great to watch. <laughs> not Potentially not a spectator sport. Not necessarily a spectator sport. Well, you say there's this internalized balletic dance of memory where you attach one thing to another, et cetera, et cetera. I know a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs who may or may not be raising funds right now or maybe doing it in the future. There's lots of stuff to remember when you're being grilled by several sets of mm -hmm. investors every week, every day. Are there any tips? I know it's probably not as easy as just uh, the top five things to remember about memory, but are there any tips for entrepreneurs who are doing a load of meetings, need a, to remember a load of data that you'd uh, that you'd give straight away? Uh, well, I guess I guess there are. Um, so, I mean, I think the the, the first thing is um, is just a kind of general attitudinal thing, which is that if you um, if you expect to be able to answer questions off the cuff, you do need to have um, gone about systematically remembering stuff. And so, very often, you kind of feel oh. I'm I've more or less soaked it up. I pretty much know what my, uh, you know, my cohort from March were doing on D30, and I hope I'll find the, find, you know, and you, you got you got to treat it as um, as a task, and you got to sort of lay out all the things you need, you want to have uh, at the tip of your finger. Uh, and then, um, so that's the attitudinal thing. Then from a kind of a practical perspective, um, um, active recall is one of the great strengthens of memory. And so you quite often have the illusion when you're reading over data that you are then going to be able to reproduce it really easily because, of course, you recognize it. Um, but if you want to be able to uh, ping um, numbers just out of your pocket, um, you have to have, have practiced doing so. So, you know, finding a teammate who... Uh, aggressively drills you is, is, a, is a very good way of doing it. Um, and, and one um, tip which I do have found quite glamorous in my own uh, fundraising activities is to to have a kind of basic deck of maybe 10 slides, uh, but to actually have about 150 slides subsequently. Um, and you can actually categorize them according to a scheme which doesn't make it as difficult to remember what's on each slide as, as you might imagine. So you say, okay, the 20s are going to be all the data on our retention. And then, you know, 21 is going to be IRS 20 to Android 23 web, you know, something like that. Um, and then the 30s could be data or acquisition, then 31, 32, 33, similar pattern, so on. Um, and then you can obviously fill out your thing with whatever you, you need to do. But there is something quite nice when an um, investor asks you a question, you just type the number of the slide, 78 or whatever, on, on Keynote or PowerPoint, and then press enter, and then the, the slide appears as if there's an <laughs> infinite bowl of knowledge at your fingertips. Yeah. Um, which actually, I mean, I, I would actually recommend not just for theatrical reasons, uh, but also because um, having all the information laid out there, um, which is often embarrassing as an entrepreneur, right? You know, like your, um, you know, a company which has uniformly good metrics um, is going to be doing, you know, 
a billion dollars a month and will not be fundraising sort of thing. So every company is always going to have its holes in its metrics and just, um, you know, being, having a, a you know, feeling equ- what's the word? equanimitous. Uh, I wouldn't know, but... Yeah, but having, having a feeling on, of equanimity, <laughs> having a feeling of peace uh, when, um, when, when pulling numbers out of the hat, it's always a good thing. So, uh, so it's, it's a good discipline to go through. Sounds like a very good thing to have in any entrepreneur's back pocket, not just for investor scenarios, but a, a set of uh, further supporting evidence, I suppose. Yeah. That memory will only help you, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, pull out, pull the rabbit out of the hat at the right time. Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, there's a kind of, there's actually quite a profound point about memory in there, which is um, that typically we think of memory as uh, maybe like a storehouse, something which you might as well have on your Mac as in your brain. But obviously, memory, in fact, is actually part of perception. In fact, it's the, it's the driving force in perception. Um, uh, and having stuff in your mind allows uh, intuitions to spark off, um, for you to perceive situations differently, and so on and so forth. So it is generally recommended to to, to know your know your numbers backwards. And you know you you've obviously got quite an affinity with memory, quite passionate passionate about that whole subject. Where did the idea for Memrise or the idea for the business come about within this? Because there's obviously a longer relationship with the art of memory that you have that came potentially before the business itself. Yeah, so I mean, one of the things about um, being a memory champion is that, um, you know, people are like, oh my God, you're a memory champion, you must be such a genius. And, And it's quite boring having to explain no 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 I train myself these are these various techniques I could teach you I taught someone else you know blah 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 um, and so so one of the motivations is definitely to um, externalize the techniques so that anybody could learn in a similarly um, effective fashion um, and um, yeah and I, I mean I do think that that um, the you know part of the reason we built memorize was actually for ourselves because it's actually quite there's a sense in which it's quite hard work knowing when to repeat stuff and thinking of your own you know mnemonic devices and 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 so on and so forth um and there's this sort of dreamy scenario even for me where i can just sort of relax um do what the app or the computer is telling me to do and just sort of learn like a superhero um, so, so that was kind of some of the contributing uh, yeah, motivations. Learn like a superhero. Is that what Memrise allows the, the average user to do? Uh, that's what it does. So, you know, which should only give your listeners more reason to Google Membus Kickstarter uh, and make a handsome donation because, you know, while learning like a super, <laughs> superhero, it's uh, quite good to have, um, um, you know, 100,000 native faces beaming at you. And, I mean, it all sounds a pretty, you know, glorious enterprise the the art of memory helps people learn languages and that's exactly uh what you're doing but has you know have there been bumps on the road when trying to either raise funding or get the product in front of people uh, yeah i mean there's been like uh, of course uh, an old untold number of um bumps in the road um you know i think uh, we I, I think at the end of our i mean this was um this is a little bit before Bordington invested, but you know, at the end of our first year or something, we think we had about seven hundred signups. <laughs> um, and you know, and of course, you know, when when you've now got like you know more than six million, it just seems kind of comically small. But actually, at the time, you know, where where, where do we find them from? You know, <laughs> so so things took off rather slower than they perhaps should have at Memorize. Um And uh, then, um, yeah, and, and I mean, I think that one of the one of the tricky things is to get a really great product out on on all platforms. Um, and so, yeah, we did have our struggles technically in sort of mastering the um, the kind of the, the web and mobile component simultaneously. But um, but one of the I mean, I suppose you know one of one of the one of the big um, 
one of the big learnings. <laughs> learnings, which is a word only ever used uh, by um, entrepreneurs. <laughs> on uh, podcasts. Yeah, on podcasts. But um, uh, has, um, has really been that... Um, you know, at any one point in time, you see like a hundred things which are wrong with your company. You think, ah, you know, ideally, you know, you could literally list a hundred things which need to be radically better for it to kind of uh, fulfill your mission or what have you. But normally, a surprisingly small number of them being fixed actually makes a disproportionate difference to, to how things. So, so normally, if you have a hundred things to be fixed, and you each fix three of them, that normally means you're double in size or what have you. So, so and and how do you prioritize? those things because in um, the first couple that you spoke about was obviously user number uh-huh. ubiquity across platforms yeah. things like that oh, well, funny enough I, the, the best organisational thing we've done is we've implemented I mean this is very against I mean, the way it sounds it's very against our general memorised sort of members uh, road trip make learning joyful philosophy but um, but we introduced a system called objectives and key results uh, which is um, a kind of management methodology which is most famously used at um, Google um, and uh, I mean I give you a very rough um, overview of what how it works. So you have like, your objective, which could be a big sort of hairy, imprecise goal, like make the most joyful learning system ever invented. And then uh, you have key results, and you might have key results sort of on you know quarterly basis. So you have maybe three of them, and the idea is that they're measurable. That you know they're very um, you can get very clear feedback on. You can fight towards them. And um, there are various kind of other elements to this, like so how you negotiate these key results and objectives with the team, so that everyone's kind of bought in and so on and so forth. Um, but effectively, what they allow you to do is not worry about the things you're not doing now. So it's like in the next three months, you know, in the next few months we're doing this, this, and this, and any other ideas. Um, you just say, well, yes, but perhaps that that could happen in 2016 or what have you. Um, and um, of course, everyone's always trying to waste your time as an entrepreneur, you know, whether it's like a recruiter or some random like hedge, you know, what is it? It was those sort of private equity firms who like to talk to entrepreneurs like literally five years before they might ever be of interest. The private equity thing, and so I found that the, the combination of objectives and key results and um, and this idea of just shoving things you don't want to do into the future um, has uh, considerably freed up my, my mind and allowed us to execute a lot more effectively than we previously had. So that helps with prioritization. And another question, you know, mainly for any entrepreneur that might be listening that wants to launch something in ed tech, as they mm-hmm. call it, or, yep. you know, already has. Um, is it difficult to marry like a real educational purpose that you have with commerce and building a successful business? Um, it is, and there are a few reasons why it is. I mean, I think that there's famously not really ever been a decent ed tech exit. <laughs> so that's, a, that's a start. Um, and the second thing is, is that, um, that there are various phenomena in psychology where things which um, are effective don't necessarily feel effective and don't necessarily feel fun. So um, the kind of meta-psychology of, uh, of memory where people's perception of what helps them remember is, um, is famously uh, convoluted. So that, I mean, just for, as an example... Um, um, very few people notice that when you actively recall a memory rather than just look at it again, it will do much, much more for your memory and it's slightly more annoying to actively recall it or what have you. And so <clears throat> I think if you're doing a kind of hardcore egg tech product with a real scientific grounding, it's a battle you're constantly trying to fight is, okay, well, this will make it more effective, but it will also make it less popular, <laughs> which is pretty annoying, but yeah, there are ways around it. Um, and uh, and we've probably uh, gone a little bit too hard after the effective uh, historically. Uh, but um, and so that's one thing um, and then I think that the the second thing is that schools are um, for various reasons um, slow to adopt um, and um, disinclined to shell out money um, and so the kind of the consumer path is 
kind of mandated, but the most people who are learning are kind of down a school's path. So there's normally a kind of a tricky balance to strike between that. Um, our solution to that, by the way, is just to try and um, persuade pupils to start using Memorize before teachers and have the, the channel go from pupils to teachers rather than teachers to pupils. You circumnavigate the school's bit in the middle. Exactly. Uh, and, the, and the other problem you mentioned of, you know, the entrepreneur or the almost the scientific brain behind the project wants to do the most complex, most effective thing, and then consumers might be put off by that, is the very difficult solution to try and make a complex solution feel very simple. Mm-hmm. Yes. How possible is that? Um, I, th- I think it's actually very possible because, I mean, fundamentally, um, um, learning, you know, learning is, um, you know, it's, uh, it's not the most, um, you know, it, do- it doesn't require preposterously elaborate, you know, artificial intelligence or, or anything else in the background. You know, fundamentally, you've just got to break stuff into little pieces, feed it to a mind at about the right rate and ensure that the, the content is rich and connects to, to people's worlds. So, so I think, I think it can be done, but, but, you know, we, um, you know, we now have, um, you know, millions of, of active users, um, for a long time, we kind of struggled to grow that. And, you know, and, and, and you know, with you, with dear old Borderton, I'd have these meetings and everyone would be like, well, no, but we've got this like new newspaper app or whatever which has got 10 million users and uh, you know it's kind of sometimes difficult to explain that um getting people to sit down and spend half an hour a day learning is a completely different proposition to getting someone to you know look at a photo ed thank you very much for your time i noticed the time is ticking away thank you very much oh, thanks so much for having me on the show joining us and the best of luck with the uh, members thank you very much across europe thank you